And we are live. Episode 12 of Coffee with the John. Three months. Can you believe it? Three, three, four months, right? Three, four. four, 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 four no, four, three months. What do you say? Four. 12 weeks. It's four, three months. <laughs> the hell is a four, three months? It's four, um, three months. Month. Tommy Ray's already doing some good networking for us. Yes, we will allow shadowing. Yvonne. Um, it just depends what you want to shadow on. What is it that you're looking to learn? With that being said, we have actually quite a bit of news to go we, over. We have a lot. Holy I was like, crap. it's like, bro, are we going to have time to go through all this? Yeah. Well, it all builds off each other. We'll just briefly kind yeah, of go over a few of them. I, I'm a little ambitious, so I'm hoping that we can hit on everything. But uh, yeah, there's actually quite a bit of news. There's uh, We're going to be covering a lot on new rules for Thanksgiving time and the holidays. Uh, there, there's the lockdowns. They're coming lockdown stimuluses, uh, or a stimulus. No, does it need stimuli? stimuli. stimuli. <laughs> it's a stimuli, it's a stimuli package. Stimuli package. <laughs> there you go. Unemployment. Um, that that's gonna be a big topic, and well, yeah, a lot to get into. So Some new rules coming out of Florida. I'm sure. Whew. Yeah, yeah. Florida, yeah, that, that was actually some interesting laws. Would love to get everybody's feedback as always. So make sure to just jump into the comments and give us a like, your... give us a subscribe. Yes, man, so salesy. Deliver some value first, <laughs> but yes, subscribe. Um, but we did want to jump in real quick on something that uh, oh, so I got to do it. Bar Bar wanted to share with you guys. So there is a number, a, a new number one all time watch video on YouTube, and it broke the record for doing it in under four years. So I know a lot of people have heard this song before, and I'm sure a lot of people I, either love or hate. So if you have kids, I'm sure you've heard this song. Besides John, he never I have heard it teed it. up. If you want me to. Oh, no, I got to do it right here because I'm not going to play it very long. Okay. Go. That is the new number one watch song on YouTube at 7.161 billion with a B views. And it did it. It came out in June 17th and um, in 2016. And is now the new number one song on YouTube for the watched videos. Well, it just uh, beat um, Luis Fonsi's Despacito. Yeah. Despacito. Yeah. So you guys can, Despacito. So everybody can yeah. understand what the name of that song is. Um, but yeah, they just beat Despacito. They they had 7.02 billion. And these guys are at 7.04 um they're from korea and it's it's actually you know a south korean company ping ping pong ping pong <laughs> wow <laughs> that even sounded racist when you said it they were saying they were doing a you know some analysis and they're saying if played back to back that would mean the baby shark has been streamed continuously for 30,000 years. <laughs> that, that is just insane. <laughs> that's what I just like. The stats are just like, it's for a song that's like, you, a lot of people, that's why I thought the ratio on it when they look at the likes to dislikes is 22 million people like the song, 10 million have disliked it. Yeah. Usually that ratio is not no, that close when no, you look at YouTube it, you're videos. You're usually in the 90% of likes 
versus this. Yeah, like, you're this like 50%. 50 yeah. Um, but they've so far generated um, at least $5.2 million just on YouTube streams. On that alone. one song. And yeah, that, the articles that I was reading, song. when you looked at the financials of the year over year of that company, and like that one song, they had different versions of it. They had uh, toys that came off of it. They had merchandise that came off of it. And like they're making millions of dollars off of one song that probably every adult with like a four or five, six year old, like, oh my God, they want to hear Baby Shark again. Not, not my son. It's kind of a different level of a torture right there. Yeah. You I've, sit there I've made and sure to block that off over. of every channel possible. I'll wait talk him over next time. It's yeah, you're not invited. Shark, doo, doo, doo. So now getting back to some actual real news. <laughs> Come on, but, I thought it was funny. It was a good start for the morning. It's, it's very interesting though that that song, I mean, what about it just made it go so viral, right? I mean, 7 billion views. Five million dollars just on the streams alone on YouTube. I mean, that's not even accounting for probably like sp uh, sponsored ads or anything else that runs through the stream. Yeah. I mean, it's insane. Just one song and that song, like it's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. So, but uh, Yvonne says my takeaway is put a catchy tune with your videos. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm going to start doing. I'm going to put that song to play before we go live. Yeah, there it goes. How do you guys like listen to that on repeat before we go live? Yeah. So now, how about we actually get to okay, some okay, real okay, news? Okay, okay, okay. Um, Pfizer has come out with a vaccine that so far is more than 90% effective. That's so, fantastic, considering the flu virus, I think, is like 50, 60. And yeah. that's why I say it's an effective vaccine if 50 to 60%. Uh, that's what they were shooting for. Yeah. They were hoping for 50, For something to come out at 90% like this, that is uh, fantastic news uh, to see those kind of results. I mean, it's still going to take, obviously, some time to get approval. I think they said they're submitting their data by the end of November, and they're hoping through emergency approval by the end of the year, early next year, they're going to be approved to be used. And uh be able to distribute by first second quarter of next year yeah uh so i mean they're still waiting for more data to come back and everything they're like it might adjust a little bit from the 90 percent. but regardless scientists were hoping for anywhere north of 50 60 percent effective rate would have been uh, acceptable by them so 90 percent. they're definitely way up there a lot of people are excited we saw the dow jones rose more than a thousand points airline and cruise company stock rose um, I went on a tear. I mean, just in this last week from the elections, like being solidified, it went up whoa, drastically. Whoa, there. whoa. Or being called, don't, called, called. People don't freak out. That was John had a mishap. Okay. We've, we've uh, had people just kind of get really upset with us. But nah. uh, no, the elections like <laughs> being called, is yes. that better, by the, the, the news outlets. Yes. Uh, we don't a predict tear there. the elections, damn it. And then this coming out, I think the, the, the Dow's jumped like six seven percent in the past yeah. like week alone there's like oh boy it's like you got to realize like we're still not out of this thing yet they're talking about more shutdowns and stuff but yet yeah, people are pouring money into the stock market yeah so but right now so the doctor uh dr scott whatever i'm not even gonna try his last name <laughs> yeah. but from the fda commissioner he uh they're projecting that it could be they're expecting this vaccine to be out by the third quarter of 2021 so third quarter yeah Oof. and I, this is for what they have right now right so this is the stuff that i find funny with the stock market how the stock market just shot up but it's like nothing's really happened yet this is just news of the vaccine 
because it still needs to get preliminary data, not yeah. finalized data. Right. So it still needs data. to come out. It still needs to get approved. And even then, they've come out plenty of times because when Trump was saying that we were going to have a vaccine out by you know October, mm-hmm. November. Uh, they were like, oh, he's full of crap because it's so even if there was something to come out, it's going to take six to nine months to fully distribute that. So this guy is saying that it's not going to be available until the third quarter of 2021 and then add to that another six to nine months to distribute it. So, I mean, the airlines, the crews, all this, like you're still not doing shit most of 2021. Like you're still not going anywhere. So uh, it, it just kind of goes to show when people try to day, day trade the stock market, how how risky that is when it's just news that uh, to me holds no ground right now on providing any form of value for airlines or cruise liners or anybody. Cause it's like, okay, this is just news, but nothing's really changed. So it's great news. Don't get me wrong. No, it, it's good news, but it's just one of the things that, yes, it is still a very long time. But I mean, the stock market, they, they quote the uses like a leading indicator of where they think the economy is going to go. But it's one of those like, yeah, you're still talking a year <laughs> year or more and it, out before and this it's stuff an starts. expensive vaccine too because uh trump had already given had an, a two billion dollar agreement in july to supply a hundred million doses to the u.s government as part of um trump's administration's operation warp speed so he they already promised two billion dollars for a hundred million doses and what i was reading is that you're going to need two shots for for it to work and within a month i think yeah, it's like it's 28 days shots. apart or something like that yeah and then you're gonna have to repeat the process every year because this is not like you're inoculated from covid this is a vaccine like the flu you know like everything that supposedly every single year you're gonna have to go ahead and get it so i mean seems like it to me for two billion dollars for a hundred million doses that seems kind of pricey i don't know what do you have yeah. what three hundred and 50, 60 million Americans. So, yeah. I mean, you think about at least like half, two thirds of those need to get the vaccine and stuff like that. So you're $4 billion to get. Well, see, that that's my next question, right? Because there's been a lot of speculation of their, you know, especially with a Biden presidency, it being mandatory that you get the vaccine, right? But then it's like, doesn't seem, you know, you're going to have to have the amount of vaccines. Who's paying for all this? Is healthcare going to cover it? What's mm-hmm. going to happen? And then just like the flu, the flu vaccine is not mandatory. Yeah. So are they going to make this one mandatory or is it going to be kind of like a herd immunity? Because even all the scientists have talked about herd immunity. Yeah, so they get enough people vaccinated so, where there creates the herd immunity. And they, they both combine and build off each other. Exactly. So, so should the vaccines be more for those at higher risk of, you know, the COVID actually harming them in a very serious way? And then the rest of us, it's like, well, you'll get the flu, right? Or you get the sniffles or, or some people just got some like allergy symptoms. Yeah. Like, I got a sore throat for a week and then I was good. Exactly. So, I mean, there's a lot of people that barely even felt it. So just interesting. Um, but there's a such great news that you have the chairman that he says, I think we can see the light at the end of the tunnel, just as he sold 60% of his stock for a total of $5.6 million on the day that shot stock shot up. I mean, personal finance wise is a smart move. Like it's like, Hey, all my shock stock just went through the roof. Um, so let me just sell all the stock. Yeah. 
because I don't I think there was an overreaction and it's like but at the same time it's like yeah but you're the CEO at what point does that become kind of an insider trading kind of thing where you're like yeah but it's not that great in news either so wow it's hot let me sell it so I mean so when you kind of dig into this a little bit more it seems like there was already a predetermined agreement that he was going to do this so it's something to look into a little more but here's my curiosity if this is really this good right and it's real and everything the stock has a lot more room to climb i mm. mean this is just the base of the news but if this is gonna really work this vaccine is gonna get approved over the next year that company is good it can go from 40 to who the hell knows what yeah. i mean look at zoom look at all these other companies that in this time that they just went from nothing to being worth a boatload yeah. <laughs> you yeah. know what i mean they they've gone up you know 100 times what they were trading at so yeah. my thing is like either that's why thinking about it in a more positive light it seems like okay it makes sense that maybe there was an agreement in place for all the work and all the stuff that he's put in, maybe this is a, a nice little compensation. Like, yeah, it was hey, like on the day of the announcement, you, you, get, you get to sell and just so happened it coincided with the stock market shooting up like it did, or the right. stock shooting up like it did. Or, thinking a more pessimistic side, that he's like, yeah, this is kind of full of shit, and as soon as people find out, the stock price is going to tumble, right? Yeah, um, either or. I bet if that happens, though, I bet he's going to be in a lot of hot water if that if it does tumble like that. Like, well, you knew then, this was going to happen. Then, and then you're talking about insider trading. Yeah, then that, I think Congress would get involved pretty heavily since it's such a hot topic yeah. uh, right now with currently what's going on economically. But Pfizer did confirm that, um, that Berla, who's the CEO, has a larger holding in the company through the company's qualified and non-qualified savings plans like stock options. So it seems like he has, because they said that he sold 60% of his shares, but they're saying that he has even a larger stake than that, just in stock yeah, options. Yeah, so he owns those stocks so. currently right now, but then the other stuff, as longer he's there, the more uh, performance he gets, the more vesting he gets and stuff. So he owns, a, via so this, that route, right. he owns a shitload of more stock. So what is more likely than, you know, there being a whole conspiracy on this, is more that he cashed in. He had, he, he took a, calculated risk he knows he has all oh, the other stuff so like he the, just cashed in he's like hey let me pull the out the pressure now. the pressure some of these companies must be under to as a ceo through this time of being like the whole world is hinging on these vaccines and everything getting back to normal like the, the, man that must be a tough night's sleep uh the last couple months because of that stuff so so we actually have a uh, lori hernandez that says uh, i heard biden stated he will set aside less than four percent of vaccines for u.s citizens wants to share the rest with the world i i did read an article on that too to where they want to distribute they hold enough vaccines here to get like the people that are really uh compromised first and then distribute the vaccines around the world first before they bring them back to the United States, right? He wants to get like, basically, so you have all the, like the older people here in the United States. So we give it to them and then all the older people around the world first before they bring it back to the United States to, so try to heal the world all at one time versus like just keeping it here and immunizing the United States, making sure the people are good here first before we go well, to the world. So that, that kind of leads to the next topic, which is, I guess, my concern with that plan is California released their, uh, 
guidance for uh, gatherings. This was this was comical. <clears throat> I mean, even to the so, point where some of the uh, Hollywood celebrities were like, oh, "Really?" They had some funny stuff. Really, to say. really, this is what the route we're going. So yeah. let me. I remember reading this, and I sent this to you. I was like, "Dude, yeah. you gotta read this stuff." So it's a uh, a bit I long. Thought, I honestly thought it was a joke when you sent it to me because I'm reading it. And I was like. No, nobody came up with this shit. But oh, yeah. yeah no, so it's, it's a bit long, but listen to this. So, gatherings may occur in outdoor spaces that are covered by umbrellas, canopies, awnings, roofs, and other shade structures provided at least three sides of the space or 75% are open to the outdoors. So you can't sit out in your backyard with the sky above you. It's got to be shade above you so COVID can't rain down on you. Gathering that, oh, you know the trees. The tree, COVID, the tree, right? the trees spit it on. That's, that's where that's gotta, it's their yeah, fault. It's their fault. The so what was that movie with Mark Wahlberg where the tr- the uh, plants the are, t- or are trying to yeah. kill the world? So <laughs> gather <laughs> <laughs> gatherings that include more than three households are prohibited. So if you got mom, dad, two family members, grandma, and grandpa can't come. So right. it's only three. As much as possible, any food or beverages at outdoor gatherings must be in single-serve disposable containers. If providing single-serve containers is not possible, food and beverages must be served by a person who washes or sanitizes their hands frequently and wears a face mask covering. So you got to have go like you should buy stock in uh, Tupperware and stuff like that for all well, the single-serve stuff. T- Tommy says uh, time to invest in awning manufacturers. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> that and Tupperware. Um, attendees may go inside to use restroom as long as the rest rooms are frequently sanitized so you got to clean the bathroom every single time so hire a maid yep gathering should be two hours or less because two hours in one minute covid for everybody the host should collect names of all attendees and contact information in case contract tracing is needed later so if you're inviting random families that you don't know to your house for your one of three make sure you have their contact information collect their email for the newsletter yeah Seating must provide at least six feet of distance in all directions, front, back, side to side, between different households. These must be some big awnings that you got to spread everybody out like that. Um, Singing, chanting, shouting, and physical exertion significantly increases the risk of COVID-19 transmission because these activities increase the release of respiratory droplets and fine aerosols into the air. So that is what you have to go through if you want to go to Thanksgiving in California. So my cousin was here a couple weeks, uh, last week, and he is a cop in Oceanside, which is just north of San Diego. And I was reading some of this stuff, and he's just like, oh, Lord. He hadn't read it yet, and it just came out, and I was reading it to him. He's like, I I don't even want to start at the number of calls that we're going to get from people saying my, my my neighbors are having a gathering they're having more they have more than three families over they're not socially distancing they're they're all over they're out they're out underneath yeah. the, the underneath the sun he's like it happened so much i saw the, a tree branch over one of them oh dude he's <laughs> like with the calls they were getting to their dispatch to go just and people snitching yeah. on their neighbors That's because insane. the two people were outside talking in front of it. he's like i just don't even want to i i don't if i could leave again i would for thanksgiving because because it's just absolutely insane the stuff that so they're going over valeria had a point because she says i can't imagine real healthcare professionals actually coming up with these rules and that is something that i find very interesting it's like they really sat down and thought of this like thought this through to this level to give this guidance and it's not uh, um 
you know, a hopeful thing. Like, we hope you guys do this. No, it's mandatory guidance. Like, you must abide by this. Yeah. I don't know how they're going to enforce it. Obviously, you got snitches in your neighborhood, then you have an issue. Um, and didn't you say or he said that um, also if you get snitched on and what if, for whatever reason about it, I don't even know if they verify it, but they'll shut down your power. Yeah, in LA, in LA County, Los Angeles County, Orange County, whatever that is, to where they passed laws or they're trying to pass laws. I don't remember what, where it all ended up, but uh, if you were having a large social gathering, the city had the right to cut your utilities off, so they could just boom, power, doof, shut all the power off to your house uh, if you had uh, that's insane. party. It was like, oh and then my god! You have Chris over here. He says, um, "Where's he at? What the heck is covering about? Isn't sunshine good for us?" Well, Chris, you know, that's logical. We, we're not here to talk about logic. So can you please keep your logical, you know, common sense out of the discussion? Mm -hmm. All right. This is about public safety, not logic. California's got some interesting uh, Man, philosophies when it comes around that. So some of our uh, previous episodes, we've gone and <laughs> California gets bagged on a lot for some of the stuff that comes out of there. But to go on to the next topic, California is not the only but, one this hold time. Hold on, hold on. Before we move forward, one thing I did find hilarious, I, I can't remember who I heard it from. I think it was like on Twitter because I was seeing like what the uh, celebrities were saying about this. And you got to go on Twitter and just see what they say because the comedians, my God, oh, I, I, was, I was on my ass just laughing for quite some time. But one of them, they're like, no, 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 officer. We're not having Thanksgiving. We're having a peaceful protest in my backyard. <laughs> <laughs> oh, like, now man. you can have hundreds of people show up. Yeah, close distance, no mask. You're oh, you're good. You're, you're good. A I peaceful mean... protest. So now you're good because COVID does not spread during peaceful protests. No, science has proven <laughs> that. So, well, next we're leaving uh, the West Coast and heading over to the East Coast to your beloved home state. Uh, mm, what, yeah. what, why don't we let you uh, cover that one? My my uh, my Goomba. Cuomo came out you're, with... You're, you're uh, what? You're Goomba? <laughs> oh, okay. Is that type of vacuum? Y yes. <laughs> that, it's one of those smart vacuums that just cleans up the whole, <laughs> your whole house for you. But uh, so he came out with something. But he came out with, uh, from what I've read so far, it's... No, he does prohibit them. Okay. He does prohibit the gatherings larger than 10 people. So California, three families, uh, you're pretty much kind of saying that you're capping it at 12. So you're going to need uh, probably like 100 by 100 awning with six foot Big distance. One. Circus tents. So yeah, you just you get a circus, circus tent, tent for 12 people. Circus, circus so tent, all of California. Everybody has the space. Um, but yeah, Cuomo prohibits the, the gatherings larger than 10 people in private residences. Uh, also... He has limited he has limited the restaurants, gyms, bars, everything to close by 10 p.m. So, I mean, on a plus side, he's not closing them down. Mm -hmm. So that's good. Right. It, but he's just limiting them to 10 p.m. Because as many of you. Oh, man. As many of you know, COVID has a sleep schedule. <laughs> So <laughs> after 10 p.m. is when COVID becomes real it's, dangerous. It's, well, the thing is, like, it, this isn't really a laughing matter considering it's all going on. We're trying to bring some humor to it. But some of the stuff that comes out is just like, huh? Like, what? Just, or like, the, My the thing next is, like, like, if, the, if the it's this bad, right? If it's this serious, just shut the shit down again. Yeah. Like, if it's really that serious, right? But to me, a lot of these things that they're prohibiting seem just so 
pointless. Like it's just it's politics, right? It's the, yeah. but yeah. But at the end of the day, look look at what I did to help protect you from COVID. You know, but it's a. But I didn't what, want you to. What did you do though? Like yeah. what, what the hell are you talking about? And you look at all these laws and and stuff like. Oh, you can still go, but it, they got to close by 10 p.m., you know, because, you know, after 10 p.m., COVID gets real dangerous, right? Yeah. Because it really spreads at nighttime. It's it's insane, you know, but that, but you do want shade because then the sun is also bad for you as well. Mm -hmm. So you According need to California. cover. Yep. So, well, mean, just to hit, hit, oh, so over the past seven days, mm -hmm. more than 2% of all COVID-19 tests administered have returned to a positive result, an uptick from the summer's months when New York's positivity rate dipped below 1. That, to me, it's like 2%. 2%. 2% out of 100 people and 2 people are sick. That's what just blows me away of, like, I think San Antonio was wanting less than 7, I think. Yeah. Or, and then, but even now, like, they're still opening things back up here, even though the rates are increasing. I'm seeing more and more people out, but I, I we're out and about where we're, we see people. I don't see that many people that are like dangerously ill or severely sick or have had that many people that have gotten severely sick. I know there are people that have died from this for sure. I'm not, not disregarding that at all, but just the rate that, people recover from this to have this level of response of just like 99.99 percent of people healthy people recover just fine and have, have well so and kind of like to go on that one you have another one i was looking at chicago are releasing a stay-at-home advisory that begins november 16th so they went ahead and oh crap what'd oh, you do okay apparently i gotta pay for it well, i'm not buying the chicago chronicle i'm sorry <laughs> um but chicago uh they're doing a stay at home starting uh november 16 for 30 days so this advisory would take place uh effect on monday and same place for 30 days or until the health commissioner changes it if the city continues on the current path at least a thousand oh, okay, more yeah. chicagoans chicagoans whatever could die from the virus by the end of the year. Keep in mind, Chicago has a population of 8.8 .8 million people. So going at this rate, there's a chance, a chance that a thousand people may die out of 8.8 .8 million. So let's shut down the entire city. Um, and again, you know, and for everybody listening, like, please don't misunderstand me. I am not trying to sound insensitive or anything like that. It's just... I don't understand. I, I don't un like I want somebody to explain to me. I'm not saying that COVID isn't real or that it isn't dangerous. I'm not saying any of that. What I'm simply saying is that we're talking about such a low percentage. I, I was looking even in that same article, they even have stats. World population right now is roughly 7.8 billion people. The world population. One point let's call it 1.3 right it's 1.29 but let's call it 1.3 million deaths supposedly due to covid right because supposedly because we've heard time and time again how many of like you died of something else but you also had covid covid so, kind of pushed over the yeah, last bit added but to it's it. like so let's call it 1.3 million people died worldwide that is 0.01 percent of the population 
But look at the distress and the chaos you've caused. I just want to say, like, just put these numbers, because everyone thinks, like, oh, my God, 1.3 million deaths. Like, yes, that is a lot. Compare it to other things that actually kill people. Heart disease, cardiovascular sicknesses from people that overeat and don't exercise and are, don't treat themselves healthily. Alcohol Cancer, abuse, alcohol, tobacco, like, all these other heart problems. the roof. They, well, Tobacco, that's all. Well, that's everything. all gone through the roof because of this too. Yes, right. but I'm saying before this, like, how many people did cardiovascular preventable cardiovascular sickness? How many people died from that compared to like COVID nineteen? Where it's like it, to have this response is what gets me of yeah. of some things. What gets so frustrating uh, about this is like the I, and it's always what they've been saying. Like the cure cannot be worse than the disease itself. But it has been. I and mean, at least according to the facts, right? And and please comment below. I would love to hear your thoughts. Again, we're not trying to be insensitive or say that COVID doesn't exist or it's not serious. I, we're not saying any of that. It does exist. But it's, it's just I think that literally the cure has been worse than the disease itself because we've seen that even now, right? They were uh, complaining that texas has uh crossed a million cases i'm sure we have a lot more than a million cases. oh that's just confirmed i'm sure cases. the u.s has a lot more than a, than what it has as far as positive cases because if every single person was to be tested i'm sure there's a lot more of us that have had COVID at some point or have it now or whatever because well, i just know people then, that like just and, knowing them personally like if they got sick they're like i'm not going to become a statistic i'm not going to get tested like i feel like crap yeah so i'll stay at home and do it myself but i'm not going to go and until test it becomes it and, serious enough that yeah it's like to go. i'll go to a hospital and then they can test me there yeah. but uh, just if i got a cough i'm not going to go get this COVID test and so. and so that's what you know i would love to hear your guys thoughts on on how do you feel about it um I, we've said it before, we feel that it's been heavily politicized, right? This, uh, the whole COVID virus, obviously, it, it definitely worked out in Biden's advantage for sure. Um, because before then, I mean, they, they, you know, and not pro-Trump against Trump or anything like that, but I mean, there wasn't really any real reason Trump would have lost because the economy was booming, everything, unemployment was record low, everything was doing great. I mean, you may not have liked the guy, but something would have come as far up. as they the would, stats go, yeah. the economy was doing great, right? So I don't think he could have put, even lost had COVID not happened. Yeah, uh, Valeria put something up that what is scary to me about how we're handling this pandemic is that it won't be the last. What happens when we do come across mm. something deadly like Ebola or something similar? What would we do then? And now there are severe yeah. sicknesses that I do agree that would require this kind of response. And Ebola is one of them. I think like the mortality rate of Ebola was like 50% yeah. or something uh, like that. Yeah. It was terrible. To where that, like, yes, it would require severe response. But something as far as... I got a cough and some sniffles, and but some people develop worse cases of it to shut the entire world economy down and create all the problems we've created uh, that's going to last for generations because we, we got an article later that from Jerome Powell that what his biggest fears yeah. were later. Uh, we'll talk well, about it. But And then, so kind of moving on with, with this whole topic is you have the Biden's uh, COVID advisor says U.S. lockdown of four to six weeks could control the pandemic and revive the economy. Um, my thing, my immediate response to that when I saw that was like, okay, so you loaded your COVID response team advisory board with all doctors and scientists. 
not a single economist, business person with any kind of business sense. Because I've met some people that are more, call them book smart. They can read books and they know a lot of information when it comes to that stuff. But like common sense, business, economics, financials, they don't have much of that. They got a lot of book smart, usually not a lot of something else. And it usually comes in the sense of financial education and economy. So I have no idea when they say that it's going to revive the economy by shutting it down for another four to six weeks. Like, do you not know how money works? Well, obviously. I mean, because if not, he wouldn't be saying it's going to revive the economy. There's just, you're not reviving the economy by shutting the economy down. But here's, so here's the, the logic from Dr. Michael Osterholm. Osterholm? Sure. So he's the advisor to President-elect Joe Biden. And the problem, he says, the problem with the March to May lockdown was that It was not uniformly stringent across the country. For example, Minnesota deemed 78% of its workers essential. So to be effective, the lockdown has to be as comprehensive and strict as possible. So shut more stuff down than before. It needs to be across the board. Which created what the absolute highest unemployment we've had in any form of recorded history, except like the Great Depression. So uh, then he says, we could really watch ourselves cruising into the vaccine uh, availability yeah we can really watch ourselves cruising into the vaccine availability in the first and second quarter of next year while bringing back the economy long before that so you're going to shut down for four to six weeks right because that's going to help s- slow down the spread right mm-hmm. okay i agree it, yeah, it can't spread if, if, if everyone's in their houses anywhere. for six weeks and nobody but came outside that's gonna be good enough because that slowdown of the virus means that when they open back up, the virus is going to go away, right? Because they shut down for four weeks, so the virus got bored and left. Or does the virus come back as soon as they open for six weeks? And then they're saying the vaccine, they're not expecting it. The people that are coming out with the vaccine, they're not expecting it till the third quarter of 2021. So yeah. what are you talking about the first, first or second quarter? Yeah. And then it takes another 69 months to fully vaccinate Well, it just shows the, so the, like, the, that they don't know what they're talking about economically. It's like four to six weeks, and then the economy is going to come right back. It, it, the economy is not a, a switch that you can flip off and then just turn right back on. Yeah, you can turn it off by saying everyone's freeze, but when it's not going to just come back to life. Like If you shut down for four to six weeks and say, all right, we're good to go, you can't bring back conventions. Yeah. You can't bring back tourism. You can't bring back theme parks overnight like that because a lot of that stuff like big conventions takes months of planning and all the businesses that are now supported by that the restaurants the tourism the attractions the bars like they have to wait for these conventions so months so you can turn it off in, on a dime and in, in a matter of like a week but then that just ruins all of the planning and then come back like it's not going to happen like that Whoa. so we're, that's what i'm concerned about this stuff is like this advisory board as like that Biden said multiple times, we're going to listen to science. We're going to listen to science. We're going to listen to science. Like there's a time where you got to listen to science. Yes, I agree. But you have to look at it from an economic perspective too and formulate the best opinion. It's kind of that uh, you have heads, you have tails, but the right answer is on the side. So economically, no shutdown. Scientists shut everything down. So it's got to be a fine line that you can walk in between to where that's my worry with uh, 
this potential new presidency coming in in January, like what are they going to do? Because they say that like these next uh, couple months are going to be very difficult as everything gets colder, everyone moves inside more, everyone's bundled up more, trying to get closer together to hear each other talk. That's uh, when you see like states like California, New York, New York, Chicago shutting mm-hmm. down off for a two percent positivity rate. Like, yeah, as it gets colder, that's not going to get better. Well, well, he says that's going to help is that they're going to actually give people uh the money you know they're gonna do mm. a stimulus package for the whole country and isn't, isn't it the far left saying that we were worried about climate change for our future in 10 years mm. there's something like that we shouldn't be having kids because in 10 years the world's gonna end because of climate change so unlimited money printing and debt's not a problem either for the future I, again we we don't talk about logic so please stop all right, you're going to offend somebody. But, yeah. Um, well, also, well, I mean... It's this a real question. It's like yeah. you, you go from one way, but then it's like, okay, I get it from your perspective, but now you flip-flop because this fits a narrative that you want to look at. So, Well, and, and what's, what's very interesting is kind of, you know, looking at the unemployment here, we have unemployment falling, but long-term unemployment is ballooning, right? So... This is this is actually very important. Um, this is something that we were uh, just reading in this article here, and you have while you do have the unemployment falling, you still have what was it nineteen? So yeah, so you have eleven million jobless workers were long term unemployed. That means that they've been unemployed more than twenty seven weeks or six months. So you have unemployment benefits that are starting to run out in December. You have no stimulus package for them. You have the still parts of the economy are shut down, right? There's still areas that are shut down. And you want to go ahead and shut down for another four to six weeks. And most likely, it well, might no, end no, up not just shut longer. down, no stricter shutdown. Well, oh, like, so creating shutdown, even yeah. more unemployment. Well, that's what I read about that article that you put. Uh, that's a big jump from the prior month about the long-term unemployment. When 19% of the unemployment rate were out of work for at least six months, the number of long-term unemployment swelled by 1.2 million people in a month to 3.6 million in October. And... Um, was with the number of unemployment workers exceeded job openings by roughly two to one margin, making jobs hard to find. And another concerning trend, job growth has slowed considerably since May. I don't agree with that portion. I, I, that Yes, that did happen, but it shut down and opened back up. I think it was a little bit biased there. It's like it takes a minute to add these jobs back. So they say it's slowing because, yeah, they literally laid everybody off in April and they brought everybody back in May. So, of course, you're going to have a massive jump that fast. Um, and so states also pay traditional unemployment insurance for a maximum of 23, 26 weeks. They right. extended it for 13 months. There's something that article that uh, – or maybe, no, it was in Jerome Powell's yeah. aspect of it about the long-term effects but, of that. But that's why that's what I'm saying. So they have all this, right? They extended unemployment. Uh, some states extended the traditional 26 weeks unemployment and added a, a couple more. And then the CARES Act offered an extra 13 weeks – but all that ends in December. So you have, and I mean, it's unemployment. It's not the the $600 stimulus that other people were also getting during the week. So unemployment, I mean, I, I don't know how unemployment really works, but you don't get the full salary, right? Like you don't get your full Oh, well, it's, per, it's a percentage of what you get. It's a fraction of what you get. Right. So they've, they've already been hit with that. 
and they're still there it keeps growing that means that these people that are 27 or six months unemployed 27 weeks to six months unemployed that that keeps growing more and more so it's like you're gonna shut shut down for another four to six weeks which is gonna do the same thing it did back in march and and i doubt it's gonna be four to six weeks because they're gonna shut down they're gonna see that the virus didn't stop dead on, right? Because it takes time for the data to catch up and all, you know, people to get sick and everything. So I think it might go on more than six weeks. So, okay, you provide another round of stimulus. That's fine. People are going to go back to Home Depot and buy more, you know, DIY projects. But well, the economy, if they shut down the way they how want are you to, you can't use that. the economy this way, though. Oh, it doesn't. It doesn't at all. And, like, there's absolutely no way, I think, I mean, I would love somebody to try to sell that to me that, you're reviving the economy back by doing another six, four to six week shutdown when you look at these numbers that they're talking about. And it's just like, I don't see how that makes any sense when you look at um, it's the stuff that Jerome Powell says. And I, I think it's perfect time to roll into that. Um, is it? Yes, is it, it is. Perfect time? So uh, I'm going to read the quote that he he says. So he this was at a, an economic forum in uh, Europe somewhere, um, and he was asked by the chief concerns of the world t- tries to recover from COVID nineteen. 19 crisis, Powell said, it's the risks that there is some longer run damage to the productive capacity of the economy and to people's lives who have been disrupted by the pandemic. It's women who are not by choice out of labor market. It's kids who are not getting the education they should be getting. It's small businesses with generations of intellectual capital that is being destroyed. And it's just workers who have been out of work for a long period of time and losing their connection for the labor force and losing the life that they had. We're not going back to the same economy. We're recovering, but to a different economy, and it will be one that is more leveraged to technology. And I worry that it's going to make it even more difficult than it was for many workers. The main takeaways for me is that even after the unemployment rate goes down and there is a vaccine, there is going to be probably a substantial group of workers who are going to need support as they find their way in a post-pandemic economic economy because it's going to be different in some fundamental ways. Powell cautioned that displaced workers are going to need extended support as the U.S. economy recovers in ways that will be difficult from its former self. And there is a portion I wanted to read from the previous article that uh, about ballooning unemployment. It says, further, being out of work for more than six months makes it harder to find a new job. Employers are less likely to hire such workers. At the same time, that job networking becomes more difficult and worker skills may start to erode. Toward that is some very scary news to read when they're talking about shutting everything down again from four to six weeks. And I 100% agree everything that Powell is saying about, especially that portion about it's small businesses with generations of intellectual capital that is being destroyed because that's who this is hurting. It's not hurting Wall Street and big time, big time America. I don't care how much stimulus you pump into people just giving them money. It's like, no, it, it, it hurts them psychologically. It increases alcoholism. It increases depression. It increases domestic abuse. And that's where I have no idea when you look at it from a science-based aspect of it, of like, yes, science says shut everything down. But socially, economically, there's so many other portions that say like, this is a terrible idea of the route you're taking with this virus for something that to Val's portion earlier, like if it was serious like Ebola, yes, 
100% agree. When you got a 99.99% recovery rate and 99.96 for older people to do this kind of damage long term, I have no well, idea even, how this even, makes uh, sense. Powell's answer. I mean, he is the Fed chairman, so all they want is to be essentially print more money. So he's wanting more stimulus, right? Yeah. But then it's like, okay, so you're getting more stimulus. You're going to be providing more stimulus to all these people. To what end? Well, I don't, it's not even, uh, to me, it's not even stimulus at that point. Like you're just putting a bandaid on the economy because when you create, when you create money, which is what the Fed is doing, money is being destroyed somewhere else. And it's the, the velocity of money. Banking is being shut down. People aren't transacting. Mo loans are defaulting. So money's being bled from the economy that route. And they're pumping money in saying they're stimulated. Like, you're not stimulating. You're just trying to keep the economy from completely collapsing. Stimulus is when the economy is recovering and doing well and giving a boost to make it go faster. Right. It's like at that point, yeah. if you shut it down, like, you're not giving stimulus. You're just trying to keep people, the economy alive. Well, and, and what I think is it gets dangerous for people is that Business owners and entrepreneurs are not idiots where they're going to adapt. They're going to figure it out. They're going to figure out a way to take, you know, to take the opportunities that are coming. And I've been kind of skimming through some of the comments that Tommy has been posting. And it's funny to read his comments because it doesn't matter what problem you present. He's coming up with a solution for that problem. You know, invest in this, invest in that. We should do more of this. We should do more of that. Instead of focusing on the problem, he's looking at the opportunities yeah. that all of this presents. And that's what a real business owner, what a real entrepreneur is going to do. And all this is going to do is, okay, so what is the problem? The problem is people coming together. So what's the solution? A lot of the solution is going to be automation. How can we get rid of people? Mm -hmm in a lot of the business so we can open our business back up like McDonald's, you know, fast food places, all these things that they have a good supply line already, a good assembly line pretty much already set up yeah. to replace workers. It's going to not be that difficult. Well, and, and it's going to make more and sense. And that's the problem. Uh, I see because everyone uses the analogy of like, well, look at the industrial revolution who moved everybody from the farms to the factories and to the cities. He's like, yeah, but you didn't have a pandemic that just punched that and shot it forward in a exactly. matter of six yeah, months. Yeah, this was going in this direction. It was, it was going in this direction. It was gradually get there. But it, like, and the economy would have slow, more slowly transitioned into that. But now it's being right. forced to do that. It's forced to stay that way. Businesses are having forced to adapt to something that would have already been done to where you are going to create, like you eliminate jobs, you eliminate Amazon, all these entry-level positions that are being affected by this. And they're not going to have anywhere to go because it happened so damn fast that there wasn't the training to get these people re-educated and get them back into the economy to where they can support and uh, thrive in the economy and help boost and well, be productive. And then you also have, um, and I do believe uh, Biden did come out and say that he wanted to rest, uh, raise the minimum wage federally to $15. $15. So, that? Yeah, exactly. So to if that, point. that happens, not only is it are companies already kind of going the automation route, raising minimum wage you're destroying like small businesses across the whole country. Well, not just the whole, I mean, and I it's going it, to be it, isolated to like places that like, like they did it in Florida. Like it's not going to so much hurt Florida as much as it would hurt a place a gradual, like, was, yeah, they're doing yeah. steps, a, a dollar a year. Um, but even then you've raised it to federal minimum wage. And even if they did it by a dollar a day, like I came from small town America, a town of 1500 people in the center middle of Kansas. Like, 
the entire county. Like yeah. the closest Walmart was 30 minutes away because it was 35 miles away. You raise $15 minimum wage in a town like that, like you're going to decimate that economy. All like you'll they, have is Walmart at that point. Yeah, you <laughs> won't have anything else. Like it'll force people into these yeah. bigger cities where there are more jobs. Like you will destroy Nebraska, North Dakota, South Dakota, Wyoming, Montana, uh, Alabama, Mississippi. Like these small little uh economies can't support $15 an hour and done it even over time, five years. Like it would destroy those small economies. And then you put it at the time of forced automation and these uh, eliminating people, that's going to make it go even faster where McDonald's that already shows that like, I wouldn't be surprised in five years or less that you walk into a McDonald's and there may be like one or two people there. And what they're doing is they're fixing machines. They're not giving. Oh, yeah. They're not taking your yeah, order, yeah. giving your stuff. It's all automated, and they're just there making sure all that autumn fixing problems. Like, oh, this belt broke on this uh, conveyor belt. Now you're gonna have to do it. But that person takes a higher level of skill than an entry level position. Somebody coming out of high school that just needs a, a, a just a basic job. Yeah. So yeah, I think I, I think again, and this is to you know to everybody that tends to freak out afterwards. We're not saying that you know you need Trump or screw COVID or anything. I'm just saying like, we need to think about more than just right now. We need to think about if we do this now, what does that mean tomorrow? Yeah. Right. Where we, we got to stop thinking about what I don't care about tomorrow. I'm, I'm hungry right now. I understand you're hungry right now and I feel for you and I, and I'm sorry that you're hungry right now. You understand? But getting that, those quick fixes right now, means a lot worse longer term yeah for everybody oh, including you you understand so but like we're not thinking about that we're not thinking about more than right now and tommy was just saying that you know yes the, the less adaptive people will struggle to fit in anywhere and you know i completely agree i mean it, that's one thing that even as real estate investors we always talk about you gotta be creative you gotta be able to adapt to the market even if you're wholesaling houses even if you're flipping houses you gotta be able to you gotta, I always you gotta be able to learn yeah I, I always find it funny when whenever we've met people that they're like you know oh i do owner finance well why not buy and hold ah no screw buy and hold no screw flips owner finance is the only way to go like until it's not and then you're screwed yeah. Right. Like, I don't think I'm not and I'm not saying that owner finance sucks or, or anything like that. I'm just saying, like, as an investor, like what we do, what do we look at? We look at buy and hold, fix and flips, new owner builds. finance, new builds, whatever makes sense. And guess what? Yeah. If single family residential stop making sense and we got to go to commercial, we'll go to commercial. Yeah. You understand that? Like, because you have to be able to adapt to the market. And that's where I see a lot of investors and where I'm kind of going at is I saw a comment here before from Alicia. So Alicia says, can you talk about the housing shortage? Curious about your ideas about this. Well, uh, we've, we've talked quite extensively about the housing shortage, um, in previous episodes and, and we've said, you know, Texas, the U S has had a housing shortage before COVID happened. Oh, yeah. Right. We we had this long before our months of inventory before COVID happened was still ridiculous. We were what in the three months. Yeah, we were in the we were in the mid threes. Yeah. In the summertime threes. is that our lowest point. I think we we're hitting in like the mid mid low threes. So w- what that essentially means is three months of three and a half months of inventory is that if nothing gets listed for three and a half months, there's no more housing left. So you have that. Then you have lumber prices 
have been going up. So it's made the cost of building more expensive, which makes the cost of building affordable housing more expensive. And that was that already, was already a problem. Yeah. We're like we always said, like why I would still buy a house in the hundred fifty thousand dollar price range and stuff like that because I said they're building houses worth two hundred around it because like builders can't build that style of 1500 square foot house on a quarter acre lot or smaller however you want to do it like builders can't build on that land is too expensive labor is too expensive prices are too expensive like they're building $140,000 houses but you are on a like 0.8 acre lot no garage and it's straight shotgun style with a basic hip and gable. I mean it's as simple as you could possibly get and that's selling for 140,000 yeah. when you go across the street 140000 gets you an older house, 1980s, 1960s, or whatever it may be, on a quarter acre lot to where, like, I'll buy that because I know over time that is going to appreciate faster than that $140,000 new build across the street. So back to the question of the housing shortage, it's like I don't know what's going to happen because the lowering interest rates has helped offset these rises in costs. Yeah. But you can't go much lower without creating other problems and collapsing banking industries with interest. You can't just have a house for free. There's no margin in there for a bank to make money. Yeah. So what does happen is I, I really don't know what's going to happen with the housing shortage. I mean, it's booming right now. They're absorbing. Uh, I mean, it's got to correct eventually. It can't stay running red hot forever, absorbing that much inventory that fast before eventually like we see it that the housing stock is terrible. Like there's oh, yeah. nothing to Water. buy. Like you look at stuff and you're like, ugh, this is terrible. Eventually people are either going to get priced out of the market, get tired of burned out of trying to find houses or what they are going to look at is just like, yeah, I get, I can rent this apartment for 1500 bucks or this house for 1500 bucks, but to go buy something with a $1,500 payment, I'm looking at something that is outdated straight from the 1950s. So this is more comfortable to live in. Yep. So you will have that, that balance that eventually will correct and go back to its normalcy. Well, and we, we saw it on a article, you know, that, uh, title race for space, pushing up suburban rents. Um, and this whole article is pretty much talking about how timely payments are in line with historic areas. Tenants are accepting rent increases instead of moving out. And this is something that why we like buy and hold so much, right? Is we, our, love of buy and hold still comes from data. It, it wasn't an emotional decision yeah. of saying, no, I want buy and hold because it's just cool. No, it was based on data. And we've sat down with big property managers that in Texas, of course, that they have, you know, over a thousand doors. I consider that to be big. Um, and we've sat down with the owners and we've talked about it and they're like, look, in 2008, when the market crashed, everything crashed, rents were going up. Because at that time, people would rather pay an extra 50 or $30 a month or whatever it was than have to move out and go where. Yeah. Right? They, they didn't know where the hell they were going to go. And, and what typically happens in the market is that everybody kind of, uh, the landlords and, the, um, and these major company landlords, they kind of reach an agreement almost, uh, an unspoken agreement of, all right, yeah, we can all kind of price it at this. I see this landlord raise their price $50. I'll raise mine 50. So then when you go out into the market, you see everybody's at the same level. So you're going to leave your house and go pay the same somewhere else where it's like, at least where you are, you don't have to worry about moving expenses. You don't have to worry about the whole thing. And it's what it is, right? So they're saying that, 
they've been doing this across the board. Even mom and pop operators um, and individual investors who own most of the country's 16 million rental 16. homes. 16. 16. Yeah. What did I say? Well, it, it sounded like you kind of said 16. No, 60. It's not 60 million. 16 million. <laughs> Tongue twister. I'm sorry. Sometimes I speak with a lisp. No. But 16 million <laughs> rental houses are also raising rents. That's a lot, right? Mm -hmm. like, like that's a that that shows where we are in the market. And one of the interesting thing that I was kind of looking at in this article is that they said in September single family rents climbed an average of 3.8% from a year earlier across 63 Okay. Across 63 markets. Um they uh, they raised the rents 3.8 percent that's a that's a substantial yeah increase. usually usually they uh on average well here in texas for the data we pull uh for our market updates it's one one and a half right not uh, three 3.8 it's, it's a huge four. increase yeah and then wealth managers private equity firms and other big investors have pumped billions of dollars into home rental operations this year so that they can add houses these investors anticipate a wave of high earning but debt saddled millennials forming families and i don't know what that word is aligning aligning to the suburbans but it's not an no. n it's no, aligning that's a know. weird word i don't know uh to the suburbs in search of good schools and granite countertops and i don't doubt that at all and what the <laughs> The problem with that is is it's removing housing stock. And what it is, yeah. it's yield chasing. They've pumped uh, – what was it? I was listening to an interview with Ray Dalio. And uh, it's, he was going over his theories of uh, types of monetary policy. You have interest rates. Then you have quantitative easing. And then you have monetary policy number three. It was like – redistribution of wealth and giving money to the uh, lower end to help boost the economy. But you have the, they call it like liquidity crisis is liquidity traps to where they've pumped billions of dollars to quantitative easing. Well, who does that give money to people that have assets? Yeah. And then they oh, say, so now a corporation, they're buying billions of dollars of mortgage backed securities they are buying money, uh, stuff straight debt from straight from corporations. So it gives them all this money but they have nowhere to put it. So they have a ton of liquidity that's sitting there not doing anything with to where like, well, if they look at single family housing, we can get a six, 8% return off of that. Well, it's better than we can get anywhere else. So let's buy up a ton of housing and yeah. they will pay full price for it because in cash close in three days. And I don't care who you are or what your moral compass is. If you're a seller and need to sell a house and you get somebody comes says, I'll buy cash. I'll close immediately as this thing is done. You're out. You're not going to give it to somebody that's got to go get a loan. You'll take yeah. that quick guaranteed cash out offer on that property. So it's going to pull housing out, push prices up because there's a massive pull from somewhere and create renter nation. To yeah. where people are not, and like you have the debt saddled millennials to where because housing prices are so high, they can't get into a house. So that's where I think you see this rise in forgiving student debt to try to get these debt levels down for some people to kind of get them into the housing. But it doesn't do any good if housing prices are rising and you raise a, take away the debt and they rise at the same speed. It's like you're not getting anywhere. I like, uh, again, Tommy with his creativeness. He puts, uh, guys, we should be master leasing homes, subleasing by the bedroom, COVID disclaimer, <laughs> hold harmless, with options to purchase and make the whole thing assignable. Perfect adaptation to this moment. Um, 
<laughs> that sounds creative. like a logistical nightmare. Uh, but you know, if if it, I I agree, I agree as far as saying that there are so many ways that as a real estate investor, if you're willing to put in the work, there's so many creative strategies that yeah. you can implement in this moment, and take care of your business, take care of your family and sustain yourself right and so i mean that that just goes to show if you guys are lacking ideas i mean just look at the comment section and reach out to tommy it seems like this guy is uh he's always got ideas. he's printing ideas by the second i mean it's, it's amazing uh if you have an issue probably just sit down with him and he'll give you like 10 new things for you to do next week uh very very impressive with the ideas that tommy's coming up with but kind of touching on that point is we we look at california had proposition 21 that just failed which was to provide rent control rules uh for all of california right which that would give the state pretty much um would allow cities and counties to apply more kinds of rent control to more properties than under current law it was rejected by 60 percent which is a, a sh insane in california uh, yeah that usually they say rent control oh that's good we don't want to price people out of their homes but now that i think they're realizing that the studies that rent control doesn't work yeah because like coming from Cal uh, new york there were rent controls been around for a long time we're like the only thing you're gonna have is landlords just throw their hands up and say fine county you take the building back like i'll just oh, yeah. suck the cash flow off of it not pay my taxes take all the money out of it because i can't afford to renovate these houses only increase my rent by three percent five percent seven percent a year but then you come in with a giant tax bill of 20 percent increases over a long period of time to eventually it's like yeah i can't raise my rents people don't move out i can't raise rents to get a new tent and tenant in there i have to renew these leases and you just run these buildings into the ground and like yeah. then they come in and say well you now have to put money into these properties we're going to force you legislatively to do that it's like then people are eventually just gonna be like screw it i'll sell the building well, what, i'll move what, out i'm done yeah, sometimes has uh, a lot of times happens in New York City is that you have rent control, right? And maybe it was rent control for your, I don't know, grandmother or family member or something. Then they can actually, they leave that place to you or they give it to you and then you can sublease it out to somebody else. With, obviously, the landlord should not be knowing about all this because you're under rent control. But they're taking advantage of the situation, right? So people, wh where I'm going at is that there's still people willing to pay market rent. Yeah. There's still people that are willing to pay the actual rent as it is. You understand? So it's like, if people are willing to pay it, if people are not leaving by the droves and all this, then why are you raising, why are you doing all this? Yeah. Right? So now what this more leads me to, what I'm more curious about, what you think is opinion you time. look yeah huh opinion time yeah and um oh the whole podcast is opinion time <laughs> <laughs> but you look at california this passes by 60 percent, right trump lost california uh 64 went for biden 33 34 essentially went for trump um do you think with this, all the dumb shit that California is doing and pushing people pretty much out of the state, do you think that there's going to be more people? Eventually, California is kind of start leaning more red because, I mean, California, I was just looking at the heat map for the Republican sectors and 
California, like land wise, it's it's pretty red as well. Yeah, it's just the well, heavy the dense population. population in well, it's LA like New York. And, like right. lot, the whole pretty much like what fifty percent of the state votes yeah, red, but then you got New, New York, York and City, it's like, and it's a lot more red than you know. It's just New York City, but you yeah. have like ten million people in that little quarter. Um, but is, is it going to run more the state? People leave? Leaving, I, I I don't because I've thought about this too to where I've always said like you know, like in 30, 40 years, it's going to be a great place to go because you look at kind of the cycle of things where it kind of ends up being like a death spiral where it's, they can't get their spending under control. So mm -hmm. they tax and tax and tax and tax and tax to where like if Biden gets his way and you're a high income earner in California and they get their way with raising the taxes, which they have a super majority across the entire state legislature. So they can basically get anything they want done just by voting party lines. Yeah. You're going to be paying was it like 60% of your income to taxes yeah and like that's just absolutely insane and it's going to bleed cash from people and they are eventually going to get fed up with it and they are going to leave but some people that have born and raised there it's their way of life they don't know any better they don't know any other way and they never leave california so they don't see anywhere else and so they will stay so i think it's going to be a very long time before anything does creep in there to where if the homeless population continues to rise. Taxes increase, continues to increase, and they start getting more information about other places like a Texas that is thriving. I mean, that is the reason Texas came is being considered almost purple now. It's not the yeah, Republican stronghold purple. anymore yeah. because he only won by like six hundred thousand votes. Like that's still a lot in Texas, but that much really. I yeah, it was, like, it was more neck and neck. No, right. it was like six or seven hundred thousand. Uh, percentage wise, it was still pretty close because they still had like six thousand, six million votes or seven million votes or something. But regardless, a lot of places are moving from there. Uh, they are leaving. They are coming here. So that's why you have such a massive boom in Texas. Here we see it of like why we have such a huge housing shortage because people are moving here so damn fast. Yeah. They're leaving other places. They're fleeing. If they can get out, they're getting out. And or long enough, long term, that's going to take a state that's already cash strapped. People leave like that hurts real estate prices, which hurts tax price, taxes that they can collect and makes it even further death spiral. And it's going to go quicker and quicker and quicker. But what's going to happen long term? Only time's going to tell on that because like you have Illinois, another state that's in severe trouble to where what's going to happen with all these pensions mm -hmm. when you don't have tax revenue coming into these things to fund these pensions and they start defaulting on their pensions and not paying people out and generations have to start going back to work and leaving states. So, well, it's the same we've talked about before when people are depending on their pension to kind of sustain them you know, for the rest of their lives and their pension is re relied on California. It's like, Oh, I hope you have a plan B because there's a good chance that those pensions are going to go broke. And then what I find hilarious is that I keep hearing a lot of California saying, you know, we, we should just like leave separate from the U S right. We should become our own thing. And I'm like, how are you going to sustain? Like <laughs> without government funding, yeah. How do you live? What do you, what do you produce at this point that you're not? Oh, their whole tax structure. It's like you lose all of the government fu federal funding from the United States. Like you don't make enough money yourself to support yourself. Yeah. Like, come on. And I, I'm tr what I'm trying to find right here is I was uh, reading an article earlier, and this is what happens when you are business conscious and everything you can that's just that's the stuff that i you know we talk i was talking to a mutual friend of ours and 
I, I do find conflicting ideas very interesting from people that are so extreme on either direction, right? And I don't mean far left or far right. I mean like extreme Democrat or extreme Republican, mm -hmm. right? Because I think both are dangerous because you don't open yourself up to the possibility that the other side might have an actual good idea on something. Yeah. You know, so it, you're, you're trying to be a dictator of your policies. And I think it's, it, it never amounts to anything worth a damn, but, and he was saying how, <laughs> for whatever reason, he feels that California is the model to follow. And I'm like, I didn't, I didn't continue the conversation cause it was through text. It's not a conversation I have through text, but, I'm like, what in the hell are you looking at for the model to follow? Oh, uh, and you told me that. And I, I was like, yeah. And I, I've talked to police officers there, my cousin. I've talked to people that have left California. Yeah. And it's it, like, they what was it? The, the, the poverty rate is low. The healthcare system is great. And there was one other thing they said. Um, Who's saying this? The same person you're talking about, like you oh, follow, oh, follow oh, their, their, that, oh, yeah. their, their, their healthcare, their insurance, <laughs> yep. their poverty rates and like how, and I was like, I don't know what you're talking about, but when the people I know, they leave because of the healthcare issues, the poverty rates of the homelessness and like the streets. And it's like, from what I hear, the people that I know that actually live out there, like, yeah. they're like, no. So like, I would love to meet somebody that loves the way it's running. That's actually from there, not just wanting it to be the model to follow. So yeah. It, it be, where I'm going at is you, I, again, I feel that we look at data, right? Not opinions. And the data shows how the majority of the people are moving, right? We, we talked about, I don't know if it was episode four or five or whatever, that Newsom was the number one salesman of U-Hauls. Yeah. Because, you know, what was it? A U-Haul was like $1,200 from California, but like $200 to California. Yeah. So it was like some ridiculous numbers like that. And to me, those are the stats that we look at. You know, obviously the shit there doesn't work because people are leaving in droves. And then you look at Texas. Why are people coming to Texas? Well, you have Governor, Governor Abbott. I mean, he's right now talking with the NASDAQ to bring the NASDAQ to Texas. It I wasn't mean, just the NASDAQ. I mean, there's some other smaller ones, but NASDAQ was the biggest. But yeah, obviously. But I'm, that's where I'm going at is that they're bringing the NASDAQ to Texas, and this means uh, not like the whole stock exchange of the NASDAQ, but like their servers, their trading platform, you know, the whole server farm, everything to uh, to Texas. Um, that means that they're going to be leaving New Jersey. The process, at least 10,000 transactions annually. Uh, tax would generate an estimated $10 billion annually for the state. For Texas. For Texas. Now, and we have a low tax state. Imagine what no income New, tax. Imagine what New Jersey's losing. Oh, on their tax structure. So now you're bleeding. Like it's ten billion here. I wouldn't be surprised if somebody said it's twenty billion. Of their money leaving New Jersey. Yeah. To where like, oh man, you're losing a, a yeah, big I mean, revenue generator there. And that's I mean, what happens when you when you tax the free economy and capitalism's going to prevail and be like, well, fine. I have the option. I have the financial means that I'm going to move. So I don't have to pay your your states. And that, that's a, that's also my point, right? That you have, um, I just want to share this image with you guys. Uh, it's actually pretty funny. It's a uh, carved in the sand. It says gone to Texas. <laughs> um, it was just funny, but it, 
you're going to create, and that's kind of, we had this discussion yesterday with uh, Jeremy, our IT guy. Very, very smart guy. And I, lo I like the way he thinks. He he supports Biden and, uh, you know, that whole, the, the Democratic side and everything. But he's willing to listen. Mm-hmm to the other side and that's the same thing that I'm, I'm, I'm trying to get to with people and have those conversations of who can i sit down with that is actually willing to listen and willing to have an open debate and it's not that i'm trying to prove trump either because i don't think you know trump was the right answer either i i do think he's probably better answer than biden but don't think that you know he was the best answer but regardless it's not trying to convince each other it's just trying to analyze you know, okay, so if Biden comes in, right, and he raises all these taxes and he does all these things, like, we go back to the same thing. This doesn't, this isn't like, oh, I'm raising the taxes on the wealthy. Screw the wealthy. Okay, but you raise, I, I gave him this example. I'm a business owner, right? So you come and you attack me, right? Because you're pissed at me. And let's not talk taxes. Let's talk like real, <laughs> real violence, right? You come and you kill me as the business owner right because you're pissed okay you got your anger out you feel better now me dying causes my company to shut down let's say i have 20 employees right and let's say i support my family of four and you know whatever so now that affected my family directly right because now they don't they don't have the strong support structure my company shuts down so now the 20 people that were working for me are now got to go look for work they have their family mm -hmm. like that is the logic that i try to chase down that it's like okay you're hurting this person and i get it i get why you're doing it but now who does that really hurt can we actually go a few levels deep and analyze you know you're taxing the rich but it's like but you're not just taxing the rich. When we talked, and you talked about it before, I think that uh, Edelman had brought it up of who really moves the economy. Yeah. Right? It's not the lower income. Well, it's not the lower class. Yeah, it's just it's your middle, your middle so, ground, your middle America that's being, that just said, like, there is no middle class in America anymore. It's either like, it's 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 high and low. Exactly. The, the, the middle class is getting squeezed and squeezed and squeezed, getting smaller and smaller and smaller, yeah. to where it's like, it's pushing people, you're a high income earner or you're a low income earner. And that's where they're talking about, well, we're going to tax the high income earners more to give to the lower income. Well, that's, you tax them more, kill them more, it's going to create more of a divide. And that's where I'm just never a, a I'm not a big component, a fan of letting a government agency because they're so terrible at being efficient. Yeah. They waste so much money that I'm not a fan of tax and then redistribute and then, via that route. And, you know, he brought up the point. He says, well, what about the the Trump tax cuts, right? He says they weren't amazing either. And I was like, I agree. I agree. They weren't amazing, right? Because you got to come out with a better, I think, a better thought process. So it's like, okay, we're going to cut taxes on the businesses. But in order for those taxes to be actually cut, you need to not do uh, stock buyback or pay yourself more. You need to do obvious signs of improvement yeah. for your business, it of needs hiring, to step expanding, yeah. something that is going to benefit the overall economy. That's and like you, if you don't, then you don't get the tax Yeah, your money, your money that's saved has to be shown and then it has to be used in a certain way in order to keep it and not be taxed. Right. And it's like, now that is effective. The problem with that is, is big companies that that would affect, big CEOs, 
are tied to those politicians that make those laws. Oh, they would never, they would never let that stuff pass. And that's where uh, I'm just still the same way. Like I think they're they're all disgusting from both sides, Republican and Democrat, because they go about it different ways, but it's the same end result. Um, from both directions. And that's where I, I was a fan of the way Trump was running in 2016 of drain the swamp, drain them. And I think, but they never, it never went anywhere of take the money out of politics. Like they can't take these, we're going to pay you a million dollars to come give a 30 minute speech about God knows what at Golden Sachs. Well, I, I still don't understand why elections are decided by who can raise the most funds. Yeah. You understand like that? That's the shit that still bothers me. But or it's like, like why? States. Why is it got to be by raising funds and all this? Why can't it be that, you know, like you got to really put out that message, you know, and they're like, well, if you don't raise the money, then you can't pay for the marketing and you can't do. But that's because we go back to the same thing. Like it's it's a, it's an issue that's been created that the only way to take advantage of the uh, the business is to use the business as it is where it's like we need to break that up somehow there was something that uh i have to send you a link to i saw this yesterday about what the percentages back to like the 1800s of what percentage of government spending was gdp and yeah. back in the like 1800s it was like three percent of the u.s <laughs> gdp was government spending yeah you're gonna take a guess of what it is now it's like 45 percent of our GDP is government spending and it goes wow, up that's that low. Really? <laughs> yeah. But then he shows like world war, there was a great depression. You saw a huge spike and then it fell off, but it was, it stopped at a higher rate than where it was before world war one up and then never oh. dropped world war two. Yeah. And it never, every time. And like, you'll see it now that government spending went way up. Cause uh, this year was like, was projected to be one, tr- it was 1 trillion deficit in 2019 projected to be 5 trillion in 2020 to where like, eventually it's like, yeah, you're going to have a huge spike of what government spending percentage of GDP because that's where that's all going to show up. But then as it levels off, it still has to be higher than where it was when it started to where eventually you run into or it's like you got more. It has to be government is what's supporting the U.S. economy is the spending of the government. Yeah. And then it comes via borrowing and spending and taxing and spending. And it's done in inefficient ways that. I, I drives me nuts because I've worked for government agencies to, uh, as a general contractor in construction where it's like, this is ridiculous how long this takes in the process, the red tape and the, the waste just drove well, me nuts. Talking about the process and how ridiculous it is. Um, let's talk about this ridiculous election that we've just kind of experienced, right? So you have Biden right now that is essentially trying to force his weight uh, into the White House because <laughs> Trump doesn't want to concede. Concede, right? So he doesn't want to give up because he feels like there's been fraud and all this. Um, what a shit show! I mean, honestly, like, what a complete shit show that you know we've gone through elections for how long already, right? What's his forty-six president? Uh, 40, he's, Biden will be 46. Biden is going to be 46. So you, we've done this 46 times. Well, not uh, yeah, probably well, more than well, that. it's more than 46 because right, like, you had the double terms and all that yeah. shit. So all right, we've done this a shit ton of times. How have we not gotten better at the election process? Because the other side is always going to be mad, and this is the point with that article I put to where like in 2016 when Trump won, the Democratic base lost their minds. They were saying it was Russia, it was voter fraud, it was all kinds of stuff. And this came Facebook. from Facebook. Uh-huh. It was Facebook. 
uh, like, Facebook yeah. to where uh, it, was on a, it was put out by a retired politician who served the U.S. representative for of for Utah's third congressional district from 2009 to 2017, and he said like the Democrats now coming out and saying Biden says we want unity, and it's like do you remember when the Democrats said they wanted unity when Trump won in 2016? He's like neither do I. He says back then they wanted a special <laughs> prosecutor, criminal investigations, lawsuits, and congressional hearings to ensure there would be no peaceful transition of power. And now when you go to 2020, what's happening? Biden wants the Republican side. There are lawsuits. There are frauds. There can't be a peaceful transition of power to where Trump isn't giving press briefings, presidential briefings to Biden. And there was a GOP senator that came out and said, if you don't, I'm going to start doing it or assisting yeah. in getting him. So there can be a transition of power, transition of power to where in January, it's not just like, all right, and because I think that's where if Trump never concedes, I looked it up. Like if he never concedes, what happens is well, the Constitution says well, on January twentieth whether he concedes or not, the power will switch. Well, it says. Uh, so what I was reading in the article is says Trump and his supporters have until December eighth to complete any legal challenges. That's the so-called safe harbor day in order for a state's elect uh, electors to be automatically accepted by Congress. So there, there is that deadline of December 8th. I guess that means that you still can't kick them out, even though even if that happens, which here's my take on this, right? That I think this whole thing is terrible for the country, regardless of how it plays out. Oh, because wow. let's say there is the level of fraud that Trump is saying. And and I would like for you guys to put yes in the comments if you think there was fraud and no if you don't think if and not if you think there was fraud. Here, let, let me clarify the let me clarify the question. Do you think put yes if you think there was enough fraud that Biden took the election, right? Enough fraud to have made a difference for Biden to have taken the election and put no if you think that yeah, because you can't be, uh, n n you know, naive to think that there isn't fraud. Of course, there, there's always fraud everywhere. So, but it wasn't big enough for Biden to have taken the election. So, yes, if you think there was enough for Biden to take it, and no, if you think that there wasn't enough for Biden to take it, because that's that's really what we're arguing, and, and that's where I find it scary in the sense that if there was, and they can find actual proof that there was enough fraud that Biden took the election because of it, I think that is terrible. Oh, I think absolutely that, terrible. That is something that completely undermines elections 100%. at that point. The confidence in our governmental power to put on an election. It's yeah. like you, the one side wanted it so bad that they legitimately tried to illegally swing the election to yes. get their policy in. And if they are successful in finding that stuff, the other side is going to go absolutely berserk. Yeah, that they're going to say, oh, no, that's bullshit. They paid off the judges. They planted that information and it's going to create even this further divide. Right. And that's what, like that's what I hate is this massive divide to where it's like, is there ever going to be a point to where people just say they're just fed up with the whole damn thing and they do eventually vote people out? Well, I mean, let, let's talk about what it is, too, is that you have how many, you know, people showing up for to vote has been an issue for quite some time, right? I haven't been uh, paying attention to elections for, for you know, my whole life because 
I wasn't able to vote for my whole life. Yeah, I was like, I really just um, not paying attention to 20, 2018. Like, I right. Don't... Yeah, now a lot of people, you know, we're in our 30s, so now a lot of people, like, really in their 20s and stuff, really pay attention to elections all that much. Um, so, but to my knowledge, there's always been a low amount of people showing up to vote and participating, and it's always a struggle to get people there. Yeah. How is this going to look if they actually find real fraud, you know, real fraud that that Provable shows that the fraud, of, yeah. Uh, yeah the voting system is broken beyond all hell like that's just i think that's going to be sh a shit show and then not only that is that there was fraud so they're going to take it from biden give it to trump and that's going to piss off the far left well the 75 million people that voted for him well, i don't even know if it's 75 million because i don't think it's that extreme as far as the people uh, yeah. that are going to flip their lid, I think the ones that are going to flip their lid are the the extreme ones, right? The the, the ones that are just the states that voted sixty forty or the yeah, 65, the ones that 35. are just sitting at home. Washington D.C. were voted ninety three percent for Biden, seven percent for Trump. Yeah, like, like people's president there. Wow. To where yeah, and, and that's where you that's where you are going to have these riots and looting and stuff erupt um like on the west coast it's like you saw in 2016 when trump did win like you saw these liberal cities like go and like start burning down their own cities protesting and screaming through their own cities yeah they're like why are you doing that to your own city uh, it, it's crazy and i mean if you want to take that right into the new florida law <laughs> that with so, the rioting yeah. and looting if that does happen which I, I really really hope it doesn't but if it does like oh my god that is yeah. not going to be good at all so uh man where is it oh there it is so florida actually has uh the governor of florida has come out with um with a new law that god I don't think it's a new Jesus. law or they're expanding All right. their... Bad idea. Anyone thinking of rioting or looting in Florida might want to reconsider. So you have the Republican governor, Ron DeSantis, isn't meeting, uh, messing around when it comes to dealing with rioters and looters. In fact, he has reportedly drafted anti-mob legislation that would expand the state's stand-your-ground law to allow armed citizens to defend themselves against violent looters and rioters. Here, here's the interesting part to this, right? Is that the stand your ground law originally just originally just eliminated the duty of a person to retreat before using deadly force to counter a threat. In 2017, lawmakers in Florida changed the law to force the burden onto prosecutors to dispute the defendant's claim of self-defense. So they are making it essentially legal for you to defend yourself against looters, right? And don't get me wrong, I don't, I don't disagree with it. And then he puts, uh, DeSantis' proposal would enhance criminal penalties for people involved in violent or disorderly assemblies make it a third-degree felony to block traffic during a protest, offer legal immunity to drivers who claim to have unintentionally killed or injured protesters who block traffic, and withhold state funds from local governments that cut law enforcement budgets. I mean, 
That's like the exact. Damn. That is like the exact opposite <laughs> of the other side of that argument of what they're wanting to do. My and, God. But like I, I've always said like if you're dumb enough to run onto a highway and try to block traffic, it's like yes, you are endangering a lot of people. You are creating a lot of havoc. To where I think you should be arrested and now increasing a third degree felony for people that do that. Like I'm 100 uh, percent in agreement with that. Like peaceful protest. BS to run onto a highway and stop the traffic. You stop up a whole interstate system and somebody has a heart attack and now an ambulance can't get somewhere. Fire can't get somewhere. You're blocking up road services and disrupting an entire flow of traffic because you want to protest because you're mad you didn't get your way or something happened. Like, yeah, that is a very dangerous thing. And I think that should be. And now increasing it to a felony charge. Like, yeah, for sure. Ian puts, uh, that sounds amazing. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and, and well, uh, Texas here, the uh, Gabbitt came out and said that he will block federal f- or the, he will block yeah. the ability to raise property taxes where states get significant amount of their funding if they move to defund the police. And they've tried to do that in Austin. I don't know where that that fights ended up to where they've tried to defund the police in Austin or were defunding the police in Austin. And I'm wondering, curious, if Abbott is successful in saying, like, I can block you, I can freeze your property taxes, or just basically yeah, it starve wasn't, them of it cash. It wasn't stop even uh, from them raising them, but, like, from collecting your property taxes, like, for, for it to go to Austin. The, they, he was just going to stop it where you weren't going to get your property taxes. You're, what you're collecting, you're not going to get it. Yeah. If you're defunding the police. And but I do think that they were Austin was trying to come out with a creative way around that where it's saying, um, you know, we're not defunding the police. We just don't have the funds to fund the police or something like that. And I'm like, redistribute or something like that to where I think it's a terrible idea. And and it's it's so political left or right about these things. Um, And it's so divided in that uh, to where you turn on the news and it's one state that says we are defunding the police. We're moving forward with this stuff. And then you see, oh, we're seeing a rise in crime rates. Duh. What do you think was going to happen when you realize like you cut half the cops? And now all of a sudden you see a rise in crime. Like, yeah, that's exactly what happens. Yeah, but you can ask New York. That doesn't happen that way. New York is New York City was New York, the safest. Minneapolis, Chicago. <laughs> you look at Portland. But, the, the nightly uh, riots for like sixty days. Yeah, uh, I mean, I, I think it's the same thing. Like, if you're getting violent and it's becoming, you know, you're destroying businesses and all that. As a business owner, like. I should have the right to defend myself, right? Because and my property. Yeah, they, they're like, for. oh, well, you know, you can say, well, how do you know that they were gonna harm you? They're literally they vandalizing brick and through my everything. window and how came do I into not my know shop. They're harm me? Yeah, that's a better question. It's like, don't get me wrong, I, I don't believe that as soon as you see them, you should shoot them in the face. But like, at least, like, hey, if you don't back the hell up, you know, it's gonna get really bad for you. Yeah. I give a chance because I mean, at the end of the day, we are talking about taking somebody's life Yeah. where I don't think that should be taken lightly. Right. But that being said, the level of vandalism and violence and people being dragged out of their cars and beaten down and all this, like that's shit's got to stop. You yeah. know, like you can protest. I'm all for protesting. You know, that's the beauty of this country. You have the freedom to protest the freedom to say you know, state your opinion, freedom of speech and all that, which, you know, social media is working really hard to eliminate that. Um, but you supposedly still have the freedom of speech um, and you have you can do that. It's just you don't have to destroy places or beat people up in order to prove your point, because now your point is lost. 
in the middle of all that violence. So that, you know, Florida coming out with that, I think was, is very interesting. Uh, we're definitely going to follow that news and see kind of where it leads, but you know, it, it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's kind of crazy, but going back to, uh, what we were talking about before is I think this whole thing that is going on with the election, I, I do think it's bad for the country. Um, it, so we talked about what happens if Trump is right. And now what happens if Trump is wrong, right? He doesn't have the proof. There is no valid proof, no actual evidence, no nothing to validate his claims. I think that's bad as well, because it's like you cannot hold you, the transition hostage just because you're upset that you lost. Yeah. You understand? Like that to oh, me. Just, just the like not wanting to give presidential briefings. Like what damage does it do that he has that stuff just in case you do it yeah. win or don't win? It's like, all right, cool. If you don't win, then now the country can move forward. The love of the country is, is greater than, than your ego. Yes. As like, but if you, uh, if you win the transitions and you take the presidency, like then you stop giving them to him. Yeah. And it's like, and then nothing is damaged by that. I think, I, I don't know. I think to some degree, there needs to be a penalty if Trump has been proven to be wrong, right? And there wasn't, uh, uh, and we go back to the same thing. Was there fraud? Of course. There's always fraud. Well, like I don't think any election has been done without fraud. 145 million people now having one dead person voting by somebody. Like <laughs> yeah. that's going to happen. There's My just, thing is, is like, there enough? You, you look at, the numbers for Biden and Biden, it, it, this is not because a lot of people are, keep bringing up Bush versus Gore. Bush versus Gore was a couple hundred votes. Well, like, yeah, it was less than 600, like 543 votes is what decided that right. election. So one it state. was hundreds of votes. That's all it was. Biden is whooping Trump's ass by a large margin. Yeah. You understand? Like it's not hundreds of votes. So if there was fraud, we're talking about a massive amount of fraud. Well, not necessarily a massive amount. It's massive amount in multiple locations across the state. So you'd have to have you have to throw it over through for him in order to win. The way it's sitting now, he'd have to reclaim Georgia. He'd have to reclaim North Car or take finally then call North Carolina if they kept Pennsylvania. Then he would have to retake Wisconsin because that was a close one of like less than twenty thousand votes. Then he would have to get Arizona flipped back his way as well, which is less than ten thousand. So it's not like a huge number of votes. I mean, you're still talking probably a hundred thousand votes. I mean, 50,000, but it's not just one state that you have to flip that in. You have to prove it in Georgia, Wisconsin, Arizona, like all these close races and like Pennsylvania, if it happens there as well. So like, it's a lot in yeah. multiple locations. And I think that's what they're trying to go after why it's being done in so many States. Cause if they can prove systemic, uh, voter fraud in multiple states and invalidate an election and then send it to the Supreme Court. The Supreme Court can invalidate the election and say like this last election, chalking it off the board. It's done. Like, it doesn't even matter anymore where anybody voted. They're going to send it to Congress right. and let them vote. And then from that standpoint, it comes down to each state gets Congress one or the Senate. Congress is the Senate and the House. It's a when you say Congress, you're talking about both. Okay. But it's the Senate, though. Yeah, I think I think it's the, the Senate, or it might be in a joint. I don't know what it is, but okay. all I know is it comes down to each state only gets one vote. 
It's not California gets more because there's more people. It's, it's you get one vote per state. And then, then at that point, that's where we're saying it, Trump would take it in a landslide if it got that far because the middle America, there's more states there and they voted red. I think yeah. it was like 30 to 20 or something. That, what that, that's what I'm saying that I feel like even that for even though a lot of people are saying, yeah, that would be awesome because then Trump wins. You got to understand again, let's let's move beyond one person and let's think about the country like this is bad for the country regardless like it's bad for the country because it just it proves that you can't have faith in the system you can't have faith in the government um you know the if that happens the left is not going to be satisfied thinking that it was fair um you know so you're you're creating even more divisiveness, even more separation. Now, I'm not saying Trump shouldn't hold his ground if there is actual proof, because yeah. if there is proof and there is fraud, it needs to get fixed. Yep. As bad as it is, as bad as it's going to be for the country, you kind of need to take that kick in well, the mouth and just fix it. Who was it that said like Trump was a disruptor when he came in and he did provide a lot of open light to things that were bad for the country and stuff. So this might be his last hoorah on the presidency to where he can expose some stuff to where they say like the why in Pennsylvania was the windows blocked and people not allowed to watch to count the votes. And I was like, that shouldn't happen because now it creates the ability, even if there wasn't fraud and that is their state laws. Yeah. Like, yeah, but how dumb of an idea is that? Because now there's no transparency from the other side and you have, that's why this is such a shit show is because every state dictates their own, own ability to govern their election laws to award their electoral votes so every single one of them is different yeah and it's like why is there not at least a basis of a natural mandate that you can't come in here and just say last minute like well we're going to accept the mail-in ballots three days after it's like why isn't there a national standard on when things my thing is like if if the government can trace your calls right and not that they do. I'm saying like they have the ability to trace your calls. They have the ability to see, you know, if you download movies illegally, right? All of the shit that they can actually pinpoint to you specifically to the computer in the bedroom that the computer is located specifically. Yeah. How the hell can we not come up with a better system of voting, improving who is voting and making sure that this shit doesn't happen? It doesn't need to be counted by hand it doesn't need to be like mailed in and like stamped and all this nonsense like how the hell is it can we not get to that point and i'm not saying i know what the process is yeah i'm just saying with all the shit that we have all the technology all the advancement all the amazing things that we have accessible to us how can this not be able to be done like instantly accurately to 99.9 percent where it's like it's pretty much uncorruptible because you can't bypass the system yeah. you know uh, it, 100% agree. i don't understand that part like i i truly don't understand that part. we can land somebody on the moon from in the 60s with less poor or less well, power let, than this let, cell let, phone right here but we can't we can't like <laughs> <laughs> we can't figure out a way to efficiently vote like we could do so many things like you could take a car that runs on solar power and drive itself from one side of the country to the other yeah. and we can't figure out how to vote via technology technology that's one thing it's just absolutely insane of how this is run it i don't yeah. know what the answer is but there's i think this the 16 proved it 2000 proved it now like 2020 is proving it like why can we not get everybody on the same page why can we not create a better system to not have this divisiveness that 
circled around an election. Yeah. Well, so that, that's kind of some uh, parting thoughts for you guys. Uh, let's see what you guys think. Uh, unemployment is still an issue. Uh, it's still going to be an issue. It seems like, you know, uh, the advisors Biden is bringing on, if he is officially <laughs> uh, elected as president, um, they seem, a lot of them seem to want shutdowns. So if shutdowns happen, we, we've kind of seen what happens, right? Yeah, you can give money to people, but the long-term unemployment is high. So those people, they're sitting on months and months of not working. That means that their skills are eroding. That means that their ability to get a job later is going to be harder because now they got to like retrain. They're pretty much damn near starting from scratch. You know, it's going to be harder to put them back into the workforce. So, I mean, there's, there's really a lot of, uh, Things I think 2021 is going to be a tough year. I don't think it's going to be. It's not over for sure. But I mean, the good, the, the light at the end of the tunnel is like, hey, at least we now have a vaccine and it's showing that it is effective. It's yeah. not like it was six months ago where it's or not six, like last month where like there was no light at the end of the tunnel. What is it? It is still a vaccine. But now they said, all right, our test results are coming back. They're extremely high. And they said it is going to take time to distribute, but you can at least see the light at the end the of the tunnel. The thing is that the, the, having a vaccine was never a question. We knew we were going to get one. It, it was just when. always a matter of time. But the problem is what the we talked about, the cure cannot be worse than the disease, yeah. where it's like what you guys keep proposing, we are seeing that it doesn't work like it's hurting a lot of the country it's hurting a lot of states it's alienating a lot of people from certain things it's eliminating a lot of jobs that are are not coming back it's it's causing a lot of issues right and i'm not saying we have the perfect answer but uh i do if you wanted to hear it no i'm just kidding <laughs> we don't have the perfect answer who the hell it. knows but it's at the same time you know doing the same thing over and over it just kind of shows that it's like uh that might not be the best option. You know, mm -hmm. let's let's try to analyze this a little better. But, you know, it's where we are. So uh, appreciate you guys for watching. And I hope you guys got a lot of value of this. Again, if you enjoyed it, you know, share share this episode with people on, on social media and stuff. Let people know about it. Uh, you can always jump in, participate, give your feedback, give your opinions. After this, I always read through all the comments and see what you guys are saying. Um, and if you want topics to be talked about moving forward and you guys are saying, you know, can you talk more about this next time, more about real estate, more about something else? Uh, just let us know. We're, we're here, just not you know, sports. Yeah. Yeah. We, I don't watch. <laughs> I'm not I, a sports guy. I used to watch a lot of sports, but ever since started working kind of sports have fallen off for me. But, um, but yeah, uh, anything about real estate or anything strategy specifics on real estate, anything you guys want us to talk about, we can definitely go ahead and talk about it. Um, just let us know, put a comment, shoot us an email, however you want to reach out to us. We're everywhere on social media. So just, uh, feel free to reach out and I appreciate you all for watching. Hit that like button, subscribe if you haven't. Um, and I, we really appreciate you guys, uh, joining us every Friday. We, we like doing this. We feel that being informed is the best thing for all of us. So, you know, very, very happy to be doing this show and, um, hope to continue it for many, many more years. Mm -hmm. All right, guys. Have a great week. See you next week.